Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When you don't understand something that you're reading, you, you just stop and you pray for a second and go, you know, Lord, what, what's that mean? Lord, what are you saying there? And the Spirit of God, can I get a witness? Somebody know what I'm talking about. The Spirit of God will open up that scripture and you'll go, oh, yeah, that's what God is saying. God will reveal those things to you. But if you don't know God, then you don't have access to the Spirit of God that he might lead you and teach you and guide you in all truth. Look at verse 26. Jesus said, in that day you will ask in my name. That day refers to what? Anybody know? The day of Pentecost, write it down. The day the Holy Spirit came. In that day, when they are filled with the Holy Spirit, in that day, Jesus said, I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father loves you. These verses are critical. Jesus is saying, yes, you'll ask in my name. But after the spirit comes, those prayers will be prayed directly to the father and not to the father and then through me. Now, listen to me. My following comments. Let me have your attention. Look at me. My following comments are not intended um, to be offensive. Uh, Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. I think of that show. I couldn't think of it all weekend. I asked first service. I said, what, the, what is that show? Dragnet. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Dragnet. That used to be the show. Y'all, my people, like, y'all remember Dragnet? That used to be my show. Just the facts, man. They knock on the door. Come somebody who kills somebody. They go through. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. I'm just giving you the facts. Not intended to be offensive at all. Many of you know I was raised Catholic for many, many years, and, and uh, my mom, um, um, you know, worked very hard. My mother worked in a freezer for 30 years, uh, packing hot dogs. She used to work with Ballpark Franks, you know, the hot dogs that plump when you cook them. She, she used to work for that. And y'all know, I don't, Pastor Ryan don't eat no hot dog. Let me tell you something. People be like, we're going to have hot dogs and burgers. I'm like, no, you're going to have hot dogs and burgers. I don't eat hot dogs. If I never see another hot dog in my life, it'll be too soon. Because when we, we didn't have no food, we were fairly poor. My mother's single parent growing up, we were fairly poor. But she, would always, she could get hot dogs from work. So if we didn't have nothing in the refrigerator to eat, we had hot dogs and mayonnaise. I'm telling you, if I never see another hot dog in my life, I don't care if they're Hebrew nationals. And so my mom, she worked hard to put us through school. And I remember we used to leave to go to school in the morning. My mother would give us that check, $125 a month. I'll never forget it, for two. And that was a lot of money in those days. My mother would give you that money, 
give you that check, and she tell you you take this check to the school front office and you give it to them. And that's what you did. I'm from the old school. If you do any other thing than just that, Gertrude will be on you. That's my mother's name, Gertrude. Y'all think, hey, who's Gertrude? Gertrude would be on you. Yeah, see, I'm from the old school, y'all. I don't know what all these kids are doing nowadays and what these parents are doing, but I'm come from, my mother told you to do something, you do it. Okay? Nowadays, uh, well, we don't want to hurt this psyche. We don't want to hurt this psyche. I'm like, huh, let me tell you something. I say hurt this psyche. I tear that psyche up. I tear... Get it that psyche. I'm getting it that psyche. I'll tear that psyche up. You do what you told to do. But the parents say amen. amen. So we take that church, take that check to school. And, and I thank God for Catholic school. Honestly, I really do. And largely because I have good penmanship. <laughs> now, y'all know what penmanship Some of y'all are like, penmanship? What is, what is penmanship? That's an old school word for what, y'all? Handwriting. And anybody, you can always tell folk that went to Catholic school because they have good handwriting. They have good penmanship. You could be at Target and they had to sign off on a little uh, receipt for the visa thing. Just look at the handwriting. You could almost say, well, what Catholic school you go to? <laughs> you go to that same one Pastor Rodney went to? Because <laughs> you get good penmanship because those nurses, those nurses, those nuns. So, you know, you needed a nurse when they were done with you. That's what, that's what I was, that was prophetic. You needed a nurse. I'm telling you, they would come walking down the aisle. I'll never forget this. They, I don't know how they did it. They come walking down the aisles and, you know, they, they look like they didn't even walk. They just floated. They just, you know, they're coming. Ooh. I hear like music or something like it. And then, and if you weren't holding that pen just right, because they taught you how to hold that pen, that's why you have good penmanship. And if you wouldn't hold that pen just right, I don't know how they did it, but a ruler just came, pat! You're like, then that, pat! You'd be like, and she would tear them knuckles up. I don't know how they did it. I don't even know how, I don't even know where the ruler came from. She must, they must have had it like in a retractable thing. And then, and then she's just like walking and all of a sudden she just push a button like this and the ruler comes out, pap! And then it would just reach out. <laughs> Go next time, pap! I mean, some, y'all know what I'm talking about. Tear them knuckles up. So I learned a lot of good things in Catholic school and and I honestly, I thank God for that, but I will also tell you that I learned a lot of things in Catholic school that just were not true, that just what the Bible didn't say. Now, for those of you that know me, you know I'm not anti-Catholic and I'm not pro-Protestant. I try to teach just what the Scripture says. Somebody say amen. And as a Catholic, I was taught many things that aren't spiritual and aren't scriptural. Pardon me. For example, I was taught that Mary is the great mother, that she is favored above women. The Bible says she is favored among women, not above women. I was taught that Mary rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. This is called the assumption of Mary, that Mary didn't die, that she was assumed into heaven. Well, Jesus was assumed into heaven from Mount Olive, from the Mount of Olives, and they watched him go up. And the angel said, why, Acts chapter 1, read it in your own time. The angel said, why are you standing there watching him go up? The same Jesus that you watch go up is the same Jesus that's going to come back down someday. Jesus was assumed into heaven, but not Mary. 
But they taught you that Mary was assumed, they called the assumption of Mary. I was taught that Mary was a perpetual virgin. Well, we know that's not true because Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 and 56, tell us that she had at least, Jesus had at least four other brothers and sisters. Write it down, Matthew 13, I'm not making it up. Matthew 13, 15, uh, 55 through 56. I was taught that Mary was a co-redemptress or a co-redeemer, or a co-mediator, or that she helped Jesus in redeeming man from their sins. And, and you know, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour and our death. Amen. Every good Catholic knew that. So we were taught that Mary was involved in helping purchase our salvation. Are y'all hearing me? A co-redemptress. That's your word for the day, a co-redeemer or a co-mediator. I was taught that there are basically two kinds of sins, mortal, and anybody know the other one? Venial, very good. There's not two kinds of sins. There's one kind of sin. The one kind of sin is the rejection of Jesus Christ. That's the only sin that's going to keep you out of heaven. That's one kind of sin. There's not two kinds of sin. Now, the other things that we talk about are works of the flesh, are a product of your lack of relationship with Jesus. Lying, murder, homosexual, alcoholic, drug, whatever, whatever, whatever. All of that is a fruit of your lack of relationship with Jesus Christ, which is the sin that God will judge you for. Y'all praying for me. I was taught that if you want your sins forgiven, you have to go to the priest. The priest goes to Mary. Mary goes to Jesus. And then Jesus goes to the Father. The Father gives the answer to Jesus. Jesus gives the answer to Mary. Mary gives the answer to the Father. And then the Father tells you what to do. Well, by then, the situation doesn't change. (laughs) Now I don't need an answer no more. I mean... The Bible says, listen, 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that man's name is Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. One, one mediator between God and man. In every Catholic church, you'll notice, you'll find a statue of Mary and a statue of Jesus. So in the Catholic church, you pray to Mary because she has influence and can get the attention of Jesus. Listen to this story of this little five-year-old Mexican-American boy living in East L.A. in the barrio. And he really wanted a skateboard, but his mom and dad couldn't afford it. They live in a small apartment. And in the apartment, they had a small little altar set up with candles and pictures of religious things and and a setting and, and a statue of Mary. And so the little boy grabbed his rosary beads and he started praying, Oh, God, oh, God, please God, on my birthday, would you please bring me a skateboard? Everyone has one. Could I have one too? Or on his birthday, it came and it went and no skateboard. Christmas comes around. He gets before the altar. And once again, he says his Hail Marys. He says, God, I really want that skateboard. God, could I have one for Christmas? Well, his parents couldn't afford it and no skateboard. And about a month later, he once again went before the family altar He lit the candles and suddenly he reached up and he grabbed the statue of Mary and he ran out of sight and he came back to the altar and he said, now, God, if you ever want to see your mother again, (laughs) 
Verse 27. <laughs> Jesus said, look at verse 27. If you're looking at it, say amen. For the Father, Jesus said himself, loves you because you love him and have believed that I came forth from God. Jesus says, not only do I love you, but my Father loves you. Jesus says, because you have given your heart to me in choosing to love me, the Father cannot help but have a crazy love for you. In other words, God's love, God will love those who love Christ. Did you get that? God will love those who love Christ. And I think we all agree, if there's any message that the world needs to hear, and that is God loves them. That's what you need to tell people. You don't have to tell people how bad they are. You know, before I gave my life to Christ, January 23rd, 1982, 7.30 p.m., Oceanside, California, San Diego Street, before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that was 31 years ago. Nobody had to tell me how bad I was. I knew how bad I was. Nobody had to tell me what a sinner I was. I knew what a sinner I was. I was addicted to drugs. I'd do any kind of drug you put before me. I am standing here to tell you that our God is an awesome God. Our God is a great God. I can't believe y'all ain't clapping your hands. I can't, I can't believe that. Our God is an awesome God because he set me free. That's why I'm saying that. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying he set me free. And I'm saying that he's an awesome God. And I'm saying that there's nothing that he cannot do. And I'm telling you that before I gave my life to Christ, nobody needed to tell me that I was a sinner because I knew I was a sinner better than you knew I was a sinner. So for you to tell me I'm a sinner is a waste of your time because I know me better than you know me. And I know that I'm a bigger sinner than you even think I am. Now, take that. <laughs> banana face. <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you're like, banana face. It's like, ooh, he told me off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, people need to know that God loves them. Somebody say amen. People need to know that God loves them. Come on, clap your hands better than that. Come on. People need to know God loves them. People need the three things. Three things people need to know. Three things, three things. Write it down. People, number one, need to feel loved. People need to feel needed. And people need to have hope. People need to feel loved. People need to feel needed. And people need to have hope. Sometimes we think that God loves us more when we pray more. Sometimes we think God loves us more when we go to Bible study more. Or God loves us more when we attend church more. Or God loves us more when we give more money. Listen, God loves you and God will not stop loving you. Did you hear me? God loves you and God will not stop loving you. God will never love you any more than he already does. And he will never love you any less than he already does. He loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. I love that. I should tweet that. He loves you and ain't nothing you can do about it. God loves us and God wants us to know that he loves us. And we don't have to earn his love. Look at verse 28. Jesus said, I came forth from the Father and have come into this world. Again, I leave the world and I go to the Father. Now listen, this is probably the simplest, clearest statement Jesus ever made concerning his origin and his destiny. Jesus said, I came from God to do his work. And when it's done, I'm going back to God. Simple as that. Someone once said, if you can get that in your head, you've got the gospel in a nutshell. 
This is factual. This is actual history. He came forth from the Father. He was perfect deity. The word deity means he was God. He preexisted in heaven. He came into the sin-cursed earth. He came forth from the Father. The Jews didn't believe that Jesus came from the Father, did they? John 1.11 says he came unto his own, and his own, anybody know the rest? Received him not. The Jews didn't know who he was. They didn't know how, uh, uh, where he came from. They didn't know why he came. They didn't know where he was going. They missed the whole redemptive plan. And Jesus said, I came from the Father into the world. That's the incarnation, God becoming flesh. The incarnation, that's what that's called. Emmanuel, God with us, God becoming flesh, God incarnate. Remember, hailed incarnate deity, we think about it at Christmas, God becoming flesh. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. He came from the Father into the world. He says, now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. In verse 29 and 30, the disciples said, see, now you're speaking plainly. Look at verse 29 and 30. Jesus says, see, now you're speaking plainly, the disciples said, and using no figure of speech. I love that little statement. The disciples say, all right, now you're breaking it down. Amen. Now you're putting the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. Now we understand. Now we know. You know everything. And nobody needs to ask you any more questions. Notice in verse 30, underline the words, we are sure. In verse 30, now we are sure. I love that. All God wants from man is that they believe and obey what they understand and believe. You don't have to know everything to go to heaven. Somebody say amen. You have to obey that which you do understand to go to heaven. Jesus said, look at verse 31. He answered them, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered. The Bible says, smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And I really believe uh, that's why many, many pastors are, are, are being uh, under attack right now because, you know, smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. No one to lead them. Jesus answered them. They said, now we believe. And Jesus said, do you now believe? In other words, listen, the disciples can see the glory of his deity shining through the veil of humanity. And that light is shining in the disciples' hearts. And they're convinced that he is God and that he came from God. Jesus says, now you believe. God wants us to believe. Somebody say amen. And that'll be enough. You don't have to know everything. You just need to believe and act upon that which you do know. Verse 32, Jesus said, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone. The Father's with me. So the disciples are excited. Yes, Jesus, we believe in you. And Jesus says, do we? Do you? He says, your faith, Jesus says, is going to falter. Your faith is insufficient. You're going to be scattered. These things in verse 33, I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, underline this, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now listen, do you realize that that is one of the promises in the Bible? I told you that the Bible has 7,847 promises in it. 
And you ever get a gift of the promises of God, maybe in like one of those little boxes or whatever, and you put them on the back of your toilet? You know what I'm talking about, those? That's where they usually go, don't they? The little gift box with all the promises in them, or maybe on a kitchen counter or somewhere like that. Well, listen, the prom- this is a promise of God. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise of God. I bet you that's not on your bread box in your kitchen, is it? In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Jesus says, watch this. In Jesus, there's peace. Bible students, saints, write this down. In Jesus, there's peace. In the world, there's tribulation. In Jesus, there's peace. In the world, there's tribulation. In other words, your peace is in Jesus and your tribulation is in the world. In the world, a world that is anti-God, an anti-Christ, an anti-church, Jesus says we're going to have trouble. You will. It's guaranteed. You can count on it. The tribulation's coming. Expect it. Be ready for it. The word tribulation, oh man, I'm glad I got my notes. I want to tell you this. The word, word tribulation is, write this down, philipsis, philipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. Philipsis, tribulation. It means pressure. It means being pressed hard. The disciples had their share of Philipsis. They were pressed hard. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were told to stop preaching the gospel, and they continued, and they were arrested and beaten, and they continued to preach the gospel. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have Philipsis, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The world did its worst to Jesus, but he overcame it. The world raised against Christ. Are you listening? But he and tried to put him to death, but he overcame it. Somebody say amen. They, they mocked him and beat him and crucified him, but he overcame. Say amen. The only sinless man who ever walked the face of the earth. He endured the ultimate, the liptus, the greatest pressure, and they nailed him to the old rugged cross to remove the sin barrier between us and God. And because of his death now, any man, a woman, boy, or girl can come to the throne of grace and be forgiven. Are you happy about that? Are you happy about that? Because of tribulation that Jesus went through, I'm coming in for a landing right here. Because of the tribulation that Jesus went through, we have the victory. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from the place of victory because Jesus already got the victory. Somebody should be clapping your hands and saying amen. You should be happy about that. He already got the victory. We don't have to fight for victory. You know, I hear these songs about, you know, we're going to take the land. And, you know, like, in the, you know, worship songs in churches now, you know, we're going to march and take the land and get the victory and. I don't know any of those songs, but I, I just know that there are, there are some of those songs that we're going to march and take the land and get the victory. Listen, we, are, you know, or, or the, the, the violent take it by force. And we hear verses like that, you know, and we conquer the devil. We got to conquer the devil and put our foot on the neck of the devil and all this kind of stuff. Listen, I don't want nothing to do with the devil. Somebody say amen. You know what Greg Glory said? I like this. He said, when Satan comes knocking at my door, I say, Lord, would you get that? Amen. I don't want nothing to do with the devil. And we don't have to do battle with the devil. We don't have to concern ourselves with the devil. So many people, have y'all noticed this is just me? People are preoccupied with the devil. Preoccupied. How you doing? Well, you know, Satan all over me. 
Uh, <laughs> well, that was a bit much. How's things going? Well, the devil is and the devil that. No, the devil, the devil, the devil behind every tree. Hey, calm down, Tonto. Satan behind every bush, every tree. Oh, the devil's this, the devil's that, the devil's this. I don't want nothing to do with the devil, and I'm not going to spend my time with this voice, this voice that's affected by pollens or whatever, giving praise to the devil when I can be giving praise to God with this voice that I have. That's what we need to be doing. Christians, take heart. Be strong. The world can't hurt you. When Jesus died on that cross, he rose from that grave, he stole the keys of death and hell, and we fight from the place of victory. We're not fighting for victory. There's nothing the devil can do to us. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.